2: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Friday, August 27th, 2021. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside the future class of video games. Blessing Eddie Oye Jr. What's up, Greg? Not much. What's up with you?
1: Not much, man. So many video games to play.
2: So many video games to play. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's an embarrassment of riches right now. The, the bar is down. We are on the roller coaster of the fall. They just keep coming. Oh, not yeah. Stopping. It's you know that I mean? fucked
1: up thing where, like, you know, we did our previews this week that people can go check out on PSW XOXO. Uh, yeah. But we've had those. We've had reviews. I've been playing. And I beat No More Heroes 3 last week. And it's we'll that thing where yesterday, last night, I was like, oh, man. All right. I finally got the code for Psychonauts 2 on, PS th- on PS4 on PS or yeah. PS5. I can finally start this up. But then I looked over and I saw Genshin Impact as well. And I was like, what if I play this? What if I play this? I played for A-boy.
2: Yeah, what did you, you play? Is it redacted? What you played? I played redacted, yeah. See, that's the problem right now is I feel like, you know, we yeah, we have all these different games. We're doing all these different things, but it's that part of the job that I know you know well now of. Cool, I've been playing this thing and I'm really enjoying it. I want to play more of it, but I've done the part I can do for the embargo, the review, the preview or whatever it is, right? Like you want to go back mm-hmm. and like I, I still want to go get all the trophies in EK Island, right? But it's like, cool, that doesn't really benefit the content because I have this other thing that I need to play that's under embargo, and I have this, another game's coming today that's going to be under embargo. So it's that constant moving of like why I never finish games <laughs> because I'm on to the next game I need to play a part of before I can talk about that thing or whatever. It's a no, rough have, life, ladies and gentlemen, but I'm happy to live it for you.
1: Have you gotten back to
2: Ghost Shima Legends yet? Like, how no, do you even move it up? Not. Fuck. Oh no. man, I wish I had. I see. I see Kevin doing the streams. I see Kevin out there Dude, streaming with Snowbike Mike. We did the stream yesterday, and the plan was for the
1: stream that we were going to start off with playing some Legends, and then maybe after the first two hours, so we'll switch over to Genshin Impact. Yeah. And just the full three—it it, it was the, it was one of those rare streams where we, we hit two hours and I think 15 minutes— we didn't have the bar filled up. We were like, okay, cool. The kids, the kids didn't want it today. I guess sure. we can sign off. But it was that thing where me, Kevin, and Mike, were all, we're all in it. We're all like, fuck, we can do one more survival match in this and just r- run out the time yeah. and not give a fuck about actually filling the bar of this stream because Ghost of Legends is so much fun. And so shout out to that game.
2: What I've been enjoying, I'll tell you right now, is that uh, at night, you know what I mean? Usually I come down here, play till midnight. You know, I have a strict midnight bedtime. Uh, I go back up, go to go, fall asleep next to Jen. What I've been doing these past two nights is that, you know, I'm like, you know what? I'll come and lay in bed and I play that Marvel Future Revolution. Play 30 oh. minutes, 45 minutes of that, knock off there, fall asleep. Uh, you know what I mean? It's great. One How's that nice going? Life. It's good. It's Marvel heroes. You know what I mean? Like it's legit. Like it's Marvel heroes. Did you play Marvel heroes or do you miss Marvel heroes? Like come play this. I didn't,
1: I did not play Marvel heroes. No, I played Marvel's ultimate Alliance and I played Marvel's Avengers.
2: It's a lot like Marvel's ultimate Alliance too. Like, you know, in in terms of that, that. but I mean, it's, it's, you know, get your hero, go in there and grind, go ahead and beat the shit out of a bunch of like, you know, samey enemies and use your same attacks, but you're leveling up and you're increasing, you're changing your costume. You're doing all this different thing. I want you to know I'm a weak man blessing. All right. and I am wearing myself to I know everybody's gonna get mad at me oh Greg Miller don't you support this mobile game whale all kind of stuff every day I'm in there I'm playing as Captain America and I knew I I, I you know you I pick a character in this game because there's you know cap there's Spider-Man uh, Captain Marvel Doctor Strange the list goes on for a little bit but you, the whole point is like you're making them your own right you're changing their costume you're doing this you get all these different costume pieces and you mix and match or you make a set or whatever blah blah and so in previews I played as Spidey and obviously Spider-Man has a million great costumes you can make anything mm. look good and I would seen all the captain america suits and i was like they all kind of look like trash you know what i mean like captain america's good suit is the, the basic you know suit you'd expect and then you got ones that are like gold or green or something like that. there's a few like you know that look fine or whatever but i'm like they're not as like cool spider man suits but you know i love cap so I, I i rolled this cap i'm playing this cap and so like all the suits i keep getting in pieces i keep getting to mix and match i'm like mm, not that great and every time i go into the store it's there the end game suit but it's only sold in a bundle with a bunch of different resources and crap for mm. forty four bucks. No. <laughs> and blessing Ray. if I'm lying, Ray. I'm dying. I no. sit there and I go, the game's free. I'm no. having fun. I, is it? I would pay forty four dollars oh. to play this game on PlayStation. Why not just pay for the end game the cap skin? You know, <laughs> now there's other shit in there. Everybody, again. I can justify it once I get deeper and I understand what I'm using these resources for because I do not Greg, understand Greg. what these resources
1: are. <laughs> We've been trying to walk Mike down on this. We don't need to do two people. You're good. You're good. Put the game down. Or keep how, playing. How, how many hours have you put into you this game so far? Nah, three? I don't know. You're three, you put three hours into this game and th- those three hours were enough for you to go... I want this Cat in America outfit. I'm willing to put down
2: $44 to buy it. <laughs> That's why I haven't done it. Am I in the long game of Marvel? Oh, you're thinking about Revolution? It. Huh? Yeah, you're oh, thinking yeah, I haven't done it. it. I haven't done okay. it. I know it okay. sounds crazy, but I also know that I'm a crazy human being, all right? Like, I'm sitting there debating if I should do it. That's the the debate I go, all right? Don't do it, Greg. I probably won't. Don't do it. I haven't even done the battle pass. They have an $8 battle pass I haven't done. You know what I mean? Like, that makes sense. There's stuff on there. There's cost and pieces, but. I say this even though
1: I'm kind of a hypocrite because I did get the season pass for the the Clue board game video game that's did on you? Steam. Yeah. No, that comes it comes with all the different Dude, boards. That's... It comes with all the all the different characters. That's I forget how much different. that was, but it was that's definitely too different. much money. See, what, I, what, I, what I've
2: been thinking about doing, Wes, is to, to fix this problem, right? To get out of this situation is to, you can roll multiple characters. I think I might roll a Spider-Man. And then play Spider-Man, and then I'd be changing all my stuff up, too. Mm-hmm. I think it's Yuri who does the voice, too, so it's a great voice. I don't like Cap's voice that much in Marvel's Future Revolution. Mm-hmm. I think that's how I'm going to get around it. Do you think I would like Marvel's Future Revolution? Based on a couple of weeks ago when you said, like, oh, man, I just want something to mindlessly grind? Yeah, that's what this is. Okay. I mean, okay. again, it's free. on. Uh, this is not a sponsored thing by any stretch of the imagination, ladies and gentlemen. Because if it was, I guarantee I would have fucking got this goddamn spot. Uh, Captain America is getting <laughs> by now. I would have invoiced it back to them. Uh, no, I, I mean, it's free to play, so like you should jump in and try it.
1: Okay.
2: Get on Sakar 2. I'm it. on Sakar 2. For, you choose a server like the old days. So pick American West Sakar 2. That's where I am. We can play together. Okay. I'm down. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, Let's also talk about some game news like Elden Ring previews being in. No more Heroes 3 reviews being in. And Halo Deets that we're ready to overanalyze. We're going to talk about all this and more because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every weekday on a variety of platforms, we run you through the nerdy video game news you need to know about. If you like that, be part of the show over at patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames. Over on patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames, a couple of bucks gets your questions read on the air. It makes you a Patreon producer. It gets you the show ad-free. It gets you the exclusive post show, and of course, it gets you a bevy of benefits for the games cast, Xcast, PS, I love you, XOXO, the kind of funny next gen podcast, and the list goes on. All of that is on Patreon.com/slash Kind of Funny Games, and a great way to say, "Hey, we enjoy what you make, Kind of Funny." Thank you for that. <laughs> However, if you have no bucks to toss our way, it's no big deal, ladies and gentlemen. You can watch us record the show live on Twitch.tv/slash Kind of Funny Games, just like. F. Rodriguez film is Noah Ohm is an O-M-G-L-X-R. If you're watching live, you have a special job. Go to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong and tell us what we screw up as we screw it up so we can set the record straight for everybody watching later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, roosterteeth.com, and listening on podcast services around the globe each and every weekday. Housekeeping for you. Ladies and gentlemen, Did you know youtube.com slash kind of funny is just 5,000 subscribers away from 300,000 subscribers on YouTube? Uh, It's been a long, long journey, ladies and gentlemen, to get this close. We understand. I know what you're saying. You're gripping your steering wheel even tighter right now. You're running even faster on the treadmill right now. Greg, you've seen the numbers. You know we listen to the content. I'm not a YouTube person. I get that. But listen to me, you motherfucker. I'm asking you just to go log in with your fucking Gmail and click the subscribe button on YouTube.com slash kind of funny. Once you're done with this, you bet your ass I'm coming for YouTube.com slash kind of funny games, too. All right. Help me out. Pull the car over to the median and use the YouTube app.
1: Why is aggression always the go to you? Do you think we would ever get? do you think we'd get a response if we asked people politely? Like, no, hey God you know no. we know your Delightly? podcast listeners we appreciate you guys we love you guys but you know maybe tiptoe over to that youtube and hit the subscribe button bless, you bless see, here's what gonna, i want you to they're know. gonna laugh they're gonna laugh they're having fun they're like you know what i'll help this asshole out
2: it's there's listen here there's a reason y'all come here for your gaming news and previews and things like that right and it's either you like me or you hate me and i don't care which is but <laughs> click the fucking subscribe button all right that's I saw, I saw. Here's what I saw, motherfuckers. I saw how you guys like to be treated. Fucking Resident Evil puts a weird tall vampire in there. You're all like, "Step on me." Well, Greg Miller will step on you right now. Just go click the subscribe button. It's easy. Thank it's you, to our Patreon producer, Blackjack. <laughs> Today we're brought to you by DoorDash, Away, and Amazon Music. But I'll tell her now. Damn it, we'll tell you about that later. I can't. I've got to get it out of my system. Bless. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? What was? It's been six years. Won't notice. Six years and th- oh, no, they do. The Reddit yells at me. Six years and three months of when when there's an ad in the show, we read the ad. So, of course, mm-hmm. I'll tell you about it later. But now we do the things, and sometimes it's me, and sometimes it's not. You know what I mean? Tim will tell you know about you the ads it. later. For now, let's begin the show with what is and forever will be the Roper Report time for some news six items on the rope number one ladies and gentlemen believe it or not gamescom is still going and that means the news is still coming and we have a bunch of elden ring previews posting across the internet blessing you woke up this morning you went and you looked at your phone and you saw these elden ring previews what did you think I got very excited.
1: The first tweet I did see when I woke up this morning was a tweet from Tamar Hussein talking about these previews. Uh, it seems like they got to see about fifteen minutes of gameplay and they got to do a sit down with some of the folks over there from software. And every single thing they had to say excited me. I know we're going to get into the preview roundup in a second, but, oh, but I
2: want you to go. Please go, go, go.
1: I, I mean, I don't have I don't have much to say. Like most of most of what I had to say is based off of what they're saying in the preview roundup. But like, I'm already in a place where I'm super excited for Elden Ring. You know, like. It being a From Software game, it being a follow a follow up to uh, Bloodborne and Sekiro, which are two games that I absolutely fell in love with uh, this past this past year. It being open world and it seeming to be their take on what does a From Software open world game look like, has me excited by itself. Seeing the previews and seeing how exactly they're tackling that has me even more excited because, like From Software, I see as a studio that is super innovative. They 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 like to push. I guess the the boundaries of, like, the, the, the spaces that they enter into. And so you see, see Sekiro as, like, a fast action game. The way that they took that and they were like, yo, let's take this and let's, like, redefine what combat looks like in this thing, for me, really made that game. For me, what From Software does with narrative, for me, really makes their games. And so, like, yeah, I'm all about what, we, what, what they're saying in these previews.
2: Well, let's jump into some of these previews, of course, Bless, as the Elden Ring fan, the From Software fan boy. I sent you out there to gather the reports for me. I'll read them. You tell me why they're impressive to you, all right? Nope. We'll start with, now this is from Eurogamer. This is Alfie Wilson, you think? Am I saying that right? Uh, Alfie. Alfie? Okay. With the O in there? Or i that yeah, a type say so. One? I'm okay. pretty sure I've heard her name before. Okay, Alfie Wilson at Eurogamer writes, In typical From fashion, Elden Ring's story is fragmented. The studio hasn't changed its basic principle of providing players with an ambiguous narrative in a world they can choose to interpret for themselves. But it also feels like From was hinting that Elden Ring's story would be perhaps more character-based than From's previous titles, where most of the lore is gleaned off-screen from fragments and relics found after the fact, rather than seeing it played out in front of you. I told EFA, by the way. Oh, there you go. So you were I- on. off. Thank you. Then this is Aoife Wilson from Eurogamer. Thank you, Aoife, for this report. Quote, We're often told that our games have stories that are difficult to understand. But this time, we feel that rather than focusing on just the world itself, the characters and the drama surrounding them will paint a clearer picture of the mainline story and help players become more immersed in the story than ever before. From software's Yasuhiro Kitao told us. Blessing. Mm-hmm. I don't even need to ask you if that's exci- why that excites you. That excites me. As somebody who likes mm-hmm. the gameplay of From Software but never gets too brought up in the world cuz I don't want to sit there and read every little page about every little vial, about every little hairball. This is cool and the fact that they're doubling down or realizing that's what people want from it and maybe going to try to lean into that.
1: Yeah, I think it's a it's a lot of what they learned from making Sekiro as well. Like Bloodborne, I really do dig for the world <clears throat> the world building and how uh, kind of a passive role you would take as a player. Like, I always, I like in liken playing Bloodborne to being kind of like an archaeologist, where you enter that world and everything you're learning about that world is pretty much after the fact. Like, you're trying to figure out, all right, what went down here? Who are the people here? Like, what is the history of Yarnum? Like, how did we get to the place that we're at? And a yeah. lot of that isn't, it's not the way that you would compare it to a traditional action game, right? Like, Devil May Cry, for example, you're you're going cutscene to cutscene. You're very much in an active story. Like shit, like, shit is going down left and right. There are huge cutscenes. There there's all this shit. Bloodborne is very much more, way more about discovering shit. But Sekiro, I think, took that and leaned off of that a bit and made the story a little bit more palpable for people who are coming in and don't really care too much about trying to sit and sift through all the different items and sift through all the lore and all that shit like you there is a straightforward story there in Sekiro that I think kind of fits the happy medium between from software and the traditional action game and so for Elden Ring for it being open world I think that is part of the solution for them where it being open world there's there's so much they can do in terms of feeding in lore and narrative and stuff into the actual world design itself but if it was entirely that if it was entirely that in the way that Dark Souls and Bloodborne feel entirely that then It'd probably be really difficult for the average player to hop in there and understand anything that's going on, and so I feel like for them being able to focus in on characters in the way that Sekiro kind of focuses on character, but then also uh, go hard in terms of making the open world something that's worth exploring, gain, getting narrative out of, I think is also really cool.
2: Yeah, I mean, again, that makes sense, right, of combining it, and yeah, I, you know, after you know playing Bloodborne, beating Bloodborne, with, uh, obviously on stream with your help, Tam's help, a whole bunch of different people's help, you know, I know how much you love Sekiro. And I'm mm. not, obviously, we're drowning in fall games now, but I sometimes think about it if I should. But now I think I'll just wait for Elden, Elden Ring to see, go in there and see if that clicks better with me. Yeah, I crazy? You you, Sekiro, you, though. I, mean, I tried I, 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 Back in the day, I tried it, but I didn't, I think I was, maybe had my head wrapped around what I was supposed to be doing.
1: Yeah, I think in terms of story, it'd be worth seeing how Elden Ring tackles its, because sure. I, I, like, Sekiro, for what I enjoyed about that story, I know for you, you, you love narrative. You look forward to narrative in games. And Sekiro... Has a good straightforward story, but also, I think it's still that thing where if Bloodborne didn't do it for you in terms of what they were doing with that story, I think Sekiro still has things in that case that are still, I guess, anchoring it to being that from software like formula to it. But okay. for me, what made what made uh, Sekiro Sekiro is the fact that the gameplay is so good. Like the combat in Sekiro is one of the most unique combat systems I've played in the game, and it is straight up addicting. Like it is, uh, like. The main thing is that it's counter based, right? And sure. so, like you're going and you're trying to break down your enemies, uh, like their well, what's the word for it? Their uh, stance, basically. Like you're trying to you're trying to you're trying to break them down. And the way you do that is by continually hitting hitting like hitting them as they're trying to block your moves. Sure. And once yeah. you hit that down, you
2: get in like a free strike. Sure. And it's kind of like Ghost, or it's kind of like uh, a, uh, a little that, bit. Jedi Fallen Order to an extent.
1: Jedi Fallen Order, I think, is is the better example. Yeah, and I think that combat system is so good, and I think you'd probably like it, but. I could also see I could also see the case of waiting for Elden Ring and, seeing, and being able to play that game with the Zeitgeist and with everybody else playing it and also yeah. playing this new from software game that is doing new things, I think is also a, a decent way to go.
2: We will continue to oh hold on. Nanobiologist uh, says in Sekiro, you're doing posture damage. Posture, thank you. Uh, Tam, that's right. Tamor Hussein from GameSpot, a kind of funny games daily regular now. I will tell you right now, breaking news for you. Next week, Tam. Hosting for the first time ever in the lead chair oh. with Gary witta on Tuesday. Uh, Tomorrow, Hussein from Gamespot and kind of from Giant Bomb writes, "Elden Ring is the exact kind of game that From Software is known for creating, but it's also an exciting evolution that takes the best of what came before and extrapolates it out onto a much grander scale, potentially realizing that open world souls born fantasy that many fans have been eager for." The Lands Between, where Elden Ring is set, is an interconnected world that, while vast, didn't look like it was big just for the sake of being big. That much comes through when looking at how dense the world is visually. Whether standing atop craggy cliffs, peering out over a land blanketed in an ominous fog, venturing into snow-capped mountains, or trudging through flooded cities, From Software wants you to always be drawn towards something of interest on the horizon, and hopes that, along uh, the way, you might accidentally stumble upon the unexpected. A lot like Breath of the Wild, uh, the developer is conti- is counting on curiosity to be your guide instead of dozens of icons on a map. Similarly, the things that you stumble upon or have thrust in front of you feel more emergent uh, than in most open world games. In a hands off gameplay demo, in the hands off gameplay demo I saw, uh, one such moment was a dragon suddenly swooping down and engaging the player. In any other Soulsborne game, uh, the telltale signs of a scripted boss fight would appear. A terrifying but epic orchestral score accompanied by a health bar and a fog gate that signifies that you are definitely trapped. But these elements didn't appear. It was just an incredibly pissed off dragon looking to pick off a wandering warrior. Again, Blessing, I don't need you. That sounds fucking awesome. I love that. Yeah, and it, I mean they
1: Tam here said the magic words for me which is a lot like Breath of the Wild. Like Breath of the Wild, one of my favorite games, my favorite open world for sure. Like the way in which they tackle open world in that game in the way that Tam compares it to what they're doing in Elder Ring for me says all the right things, right? He's talking about the landmarks, he's talking about the discoverability, he's talking about like there's there's the thing that I love in Breath of the Wild where you start off in the Great Plateau, and when you look around, you see all the different landmarks, right? You see Death Mountain, you see something floating in the air that you can go to, you see the wintry areas, you see the desert area, you see all the different yeah. landmarks they can go to in that open world. And I feel like that open world really is good at driving curiosity and, and really good at driving uh, the player to go, oh man, what is that? I'm gonna go check that out to see what it is. Oh, what's that over there? That's this completely different thing. I'm going to go check that out to see what it is. But then like you might be chilling, you look up and you see a dragon flying, right? It's that sort of thing. And so like giving the exact example in Elden Ring, in um, Tam's Elden Ring preview of the dragon dragon suddenly swooping down and engaging the player out of nowhere. Yeah. That type of thing really excites me and I think that that type of thing is the is the kind of thing that I could see from software really excelling at. Because From Software I do see as being some of the 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 goats of game design. Like they really know For sure. how to make For sure. uh, a game sing in terms of exploring a world and building a narrative and building mystery. And all of that, comparing it to Breath of the Wild and comparing it to what From Software does in their games, has me super excited.
2: Uh, and our final uh, addition here from the previews goes to one Mitchell Saltzman over at IGN and by the way a round of applause at home for Mitchell Saltzman yesterday he tweeted and with this last video my first IGN first comes to an end this was by far the biggest project I've worked on at IGN so far parentheses an office visit and eight features over the course of a month thanks to of course uh, Ryan McCaffrey for the opportunity and to Turtle Rock for the kind welcome mm-hmm. of course he just did uh, finished off IGN's back for blood uh, IGN first that's a ton of work congratulations to you Mitchell but you also saw. L- Then rang and wrote this. One of my takeaways from watching the open field gameplay was this feeling that you could encounter almost anything while exploring. In one section, the player approached a group of enemies gathered around a campfire, when all of a sudden a gigantic dragon swooped down in typical Souls fashion and took them all out in a single blow, uh, which then prompted a massive boss fight. In another section, there was a group of passive enemies walking along a trail, escorting a giant carriage that could presumably be attacked and robbed of its contents, should you be skilled enough to survive the fight dungeons can be found throughout the open field and of course they're full of enemies traps treasure and even illusionary walls uh the one dungeon that i got to see seemed a very seemed very basic in its design uh with a room that featured a bunch of guillotine traps and then a treasure room that was guarded by a handful of enemies ready to pounce when uh pounce when you went for the treasure but since the gameplay uh, i watched was cut up and segmented i never really got a feel for how big or substantial it really was Legacy dungeons are the main attraction of each of the six main areas of the lands between, and I got to see the first of them, Stormvale Castle. This particular legacy dungeon begins with a choice. You can either head through the main gate and suffer through an intensely challenging route filled with enemies aware of your presence, or you could sneak around the side through a secret entrance that takes you along a lesser guarded but still very dangerous path with narrow walkways that will punish one errant dodge roll with a fall to your death. I was told that legacy dungeons were built with this kind of freedom in mind and that they were designed to be complex with multi-layer with complex and multi-layered, which is exactly what I had hoped to hear. Blessing. Is that what you would hope to hear?
1: Oh, 1000%. Like
2: I, I I love
1: the idea of the legacy dungeons being these, uh, more substantial. Like it, it seems the 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 vibe I get from reading the previews is that there might be one legacy dungeon per area, or at least like those are those are the main attractions. Like Mitchell here literally writes that that the legacy dungeons are the main attraction, and the way he describes it makes me think that those will be your Castle Kanehurst. Like, hey, you're going in here, you're spending time here, you're exploring this place, and then you're and and like these are the these are the big challenge. Uh, the comparison between, I guess, your regular dungeons and your legacy dungeons almost reminds me of, like, shrines versus the the dungeons in Breath of the Wild, where you go into a regular dungeon and you're, you're there for a bite-sized amount of time, at least compared to the legacy dungeons, which are going to take way more of your time. Uh, them talking about the multiple routes that you can take, or at least the choices that you can make as a player, has me hyped, too, because it reminds me a little bit of our previews with Deathloop, where we're talking about going into certain levels and taking different paths or like having a different relationship to what this level is because we played them multiple times, but we are doing me and you, Greg, we're doing different things in our, in our time with Deathloop in those levels. These yeah. castles seem like there are these dungeons seem like they're doing a similar sort of thing in terms of, Hey, you can take the long back route, which will be less challenging than the fast way, but you know you're going to maybe miss out on discovery or maybe you're 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 going to get through it easier but this other thing has a different kind of challenge for a different kind of player that wants to tackle it that way i think for me that is really cool and i really hope that like the all, all the main legacy dungeons in the game have some sort of different unique vibe to them like that's my main thing that's what i loved about uh, Bloodborne, when, when we're talking about Castle Kanehurst versus other sure. big areas in that game, they did a really good job of really separating them out from each other and making them feel like they were dynamically different experiences. Like, it reminds me of classic Zelda dun- dungeons as well, where in Ocarina of Time, the water temple is way different from the forest temple, which is way different from the desert temple, right? Like, that is the type of shit that I'm looking forward to out of Elden Ring. And again, like, between all these three previews that we just read through, all of this sounds like all of it sounds like possibly one of my favorite games ever made, right? And I know that that is way too much hype to have for a game that that's. There's not no out way
2: yet. it could possibly not live up to that, right? There's,
1: yeah, like it's, it's that thing where I'm like, I don't want to get Cyberpunk again, right? And it's from Software, and so I don't think that they will put out a, a, a put out a Cyberpunk. But also, I didn't think the same thing for uh, a CD, CD Project, Project Red, it, and so right, like yes. you know who knows. That said, every single thing they're saying here sounds insane in conjunction with one another. And I really hope they deliver on something that is a percentage as good as what this sounds like. Cause this sounds incredible.
2: This sounds amazing. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing, you know, to, you know, even have me where bloodborne is the only one I've played through and finished of a Soulsborne game. Uh, to take that combat, to put it in an open world, to give you this exploration, to give you a better story, to give you this dungeon, to give you this Breath of the Wild feel with the combat you already know, Like I could really see me getting into that because I do love embody- embodying a character, moving through and seeing what the narrative is. So this sounds great to me too, boss. Is it
1: for somebody who... Uh, you're looking forward to Elden Ring, but you're not like looking forward to it. Looking forward to it, right? Like, it's not on
2: your like top anticipated list by any means.
1: Sure. Is there anything that you worry about with Elden Ring, or are you are you at this what point is, like what down is to this? jump into
2: it? I mean, for, I'm down to jump into it, obviously. But like for me, it's like, what does you know the characters and the drama surrounding them will paint a clear picture of the main storyline mean to them? And then also, mm-hmm. is it going to be that not? Is it gonna be that weird gothicy knights? I mean, I'm being obviously I know it's not bloodborne, but is it gonna be more knights and dragons, you know, more fantasy that way? That isn't a turn on to me. That is also something that I'm just like, ah, oh, it's never really my jam. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. is the story they're painting going to be interesting and intriguing enough to me to actually get me to play it? Or is it going to be something I play and I'm like, I totally get why this is cool and feels great, but it's just not something I want to spend 30 hours in. We'll have to wait and see. Okay. But I have a question for patreon.com slash kind of funny games. Not so much about the content of the Elden Ring demos and previews, but more about the previews themselves. We go to Drew Venator who wrote into patreon.com slash kind of funny games. Just like you can. It says, hi, KFGD. Happy Friday. As I'm sure you'll cover, Elden Ring previews are out this morning. Look, I'm excited for the game when it comes out next year, and I'm hoping it'll be a certified banger. But I am frustrated by the coverage it's receiving today multiple media outlets are sharing quote preview coverage of a 15 minute behind the scenes recap of Elden ring gameplay that they saw and there's no additional b-roll for us consumers would you report on these 15 minutes the same way to me this preview seems like a glorified marketing beat for the game and i'm sure that can be said for almost all of the previews but it just seems like a whole lot of coverage for not much content especially considering when when we the end consumer can't see it One additional quirk on the preview question uh, that helps contextualize all this, I'm coming off of Kind of Funny's preview coverage on PSI Love You XOXO of Jet and Deathloop. I mean, those are previews, not what I'm seeing today for Elden Ring. So what Juvenator is talking about here is that all these Elden Ring previews are 15 minutes, hands off, behind closed doors, right? And then he's comparing it to Deathloop, which was five hours that me and Blessing got to play. Also Jet, which was the first three chapters, which was also somewhere or less than five hours we'll say three maybe four hours of jet being previewed right which was hands-on in the weeds very limited uh restrictions on what we couldn't couldn't say versus this hey here's 15 minutes that as i think it was mitchell pointed out that it jumped around right it was edited it wasn't a 15 minute straight through demo it was here's a segment here's a segment here's a segment blessing do you think your coverage would be the same as this I
1: mean I, every outlet is different in terms of how they handle this kind of coverage but legitimately i just did coverage of saints row which is a very similar thing right like saints row was revealed at gamescom opening night live in that gamescast i did a whole breakdown of what they showed and what i saw and what they talked about and it was a similar thing where like, i don't even think i saw even 15 minutes of gameplay it was probably more so like 8 to 10 minutes of gameplay Saints Row but I'm going in there being able to talk to the devs and being able to uh, ask questions interview them you know get their take on hey what is what is your vision for Saints Row like where you guys where you guys at with this thing and get a glimpse at gameplay that maybe for them wasn't prepared yet for the wider public to see but gives us as press media the chance to look at it and understand how to convey that to the audience. And I mean, for the point of you know, isn't this glorified marketing? I would say every preview for the most part is pretty much glor- pretty much glorified marketing. It's that I think it's that united thing between press and uh, the developers slash PR where, hey, like, you know, we're going to be honest about whatever we see, right? Like if Tam didn't like that fifteen minutes or if whoever didn't like that fifteen minutes, theoretically, they would be honest about that and get like it. Tam's role as a as a journalist and all these folks' roles as journalists or as uh, media is to basically convey like w- what they saw, and uh, their role is also to be honest to you to you the audience, right? And so like for that, that is that is the benefit that Gamespot or any outlet has to do that on the PR side for the devs. That is going to be a marketing beat, like even reviews or any sort of thing is a marketing beat for them, because hopefully what you're showing is good. And then allowing the press to reveal that it's good, gets more eyes and gets more people and people people excited about your project. Right. Like, I think this all works together and all makes sense for what it is.
2: Yeah. Uh, You know, I understand Juvenator, where you're coming from, to an extent, especially I think the way maybe the years have gone recently but like this is nothing out of the ordinary right how many behind closed doors demos did i have i seen and during my career at just e3 now granted those can be you know people playing it they can be this different thing they can be whatever but showcasing a game is always difficult showcasing i'm sure something as big as Elden ring is difficult uh and it's going to be obviously a pain in the butt to showcase that during a pandemic and when everybody can't gather around one event to go in and play something and see something uh i think Yeah, you're getting a bunch of previews that are very samey. You know what I mean? As you read through them, they are saying the same thing because they're all presented with the same information. The... Thing you take away that I think makes them unique is the lens each one of these people puts on them, right? For me, when I saw this break today, what's the first thing I did? I went to Gamespot.com and I went and read Tam's preview because like Tam is the guy, right? So like I want to know what Tam thinks of it. That doesn't mean I don't want to know what Mitchell thinks of it. uh It doesn't mean, you know, Efi, I want to know what Efi thinks of it from Eurogamer. But it is, I know Tam is that person, and so then today it is about like wh- wh- the way, the reason Blessing gathered all this, right? Was I hit him up on Slack and I'm like, hey, I built the document. The document's done, but. I'm reading these previews, and it's that thing of I don't know what to extrapolate out that would be exciting for a Souls fan. Can you go in there and do it? Which he did. And then we talked about it, right? And so, yeah, it is the same. We're looking at a video game through a keyhole right now, right? And it's exactly what you've been shown. And I think that's worked many different times, right? Of like, yeah, uh, great. You've seen a game that you think was great. I, I go back to Batman Arkham Asylum. The first time I got shown that in a conference room and we left, and I think I was like, that's great, right? I was like, I think so. Uh, I didn't play it, right? You saw it and you left. And then, you know i've then the bad way of with cyberpunk right but then i can tell you about hands-on demos that have gone the same way right i left that two hours of days gone i played in san francisco like holy shit this game is great and then when i extrapolated that out over 40 50 hours i was like i do not want to play this game anymore like it's how it goes and so that's why the coverage works this way in terms of how it goes you yeah, even it's on just play.
1: to the marketing too. Right on the flip side, like if you go back to our PSW XOXO episode this week, right, we were all super positive on Deathloop. Uh, we were all pretty negative on Jet the Far Shore, and it's that same thing where, like, for them, that is a marketing beat, right? But it can backfire if people really aren't feeling your thing. And I think for developers d- uh, developing their game and trying to market their game and doing all that stuff, right, like what you want to do is you want to advertise and you want to be open and honest about what this game is. And yeah. that's going to be for some people and that's going to not be for some people. And so for Elden Ring, like I think for what that game is, they kind of do have the luxury of being like, Hey, we're doing a behind closed doors, 15 minutes. We're going to show you some the uh, 15 minutes of gameplay and then talk to you about what this game is about. They're able to do that because they're Elden Ring. If Jet the Far Shore did the same thing, they would not get the, the same amount of press that Elden Ring sure. is, is getting because there is a certain level of hype and excitement for Elden Ring and anticipation for Elden Ring, where where people are ravenous for any sort of information, right? If these outlets also didn't see value in what was previewed, they probably just wouldn't report it, right? Like if 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 Tam went to an event and it was like, "Hey, we're showing off Elden Ring stuff," it's the same stuff you already shown, same exact gameplay. We don't have much new to say about it. Tam might not write an article, right? Like it is it is uh it. It, it's all it's all about press and i guess marketing in that case working together to give you like hey like we want to show you this thing press go, press looks at it and they're like how do we feel about that and then related it's it to newsworthy. the audience yeah yeah, yeah. exactly
2: ladies and gentlemen you know what is newsworthy patreon.com slash kind of funny games that's where you can go to be part of the show to get the show ad free to get the show with the exclusive post show we do each and every weekday uh right now though i'm here to tell you you aren't watching on patreon.com slash kind of funny games which is totally fine but it means you do have to hear tim tell you about our sponsors.
0: This episode is brought to you by Away. Whether it's just a trip to the grocery store, a weekend away, or an extended stay with your friends or family, we're all stuck navigating the current weirdness of travel. But no matter what you're up to, Away's suitcases, bags, and accessories all come in a variety of colors, sizes, and materials to always have your back. I've been a huge fan of Away forever. It's all I travel with. It's my favorite luggage. Uh, once you get it, it transforms your life. Transforms your travels experience. So high quality, so beautiful, so aesthetically pleasing. Just a big fan overall. Every Suitcase comes with a fancy, schmancy interior organization system with a compression pad to help you fit more in, which I've had to do many, many times. Away suitcases also come with the smoothest rolling reels I've ever seen on a suitcase. Honestly, it's fun to just roll it around because it is so smooth. A TSA approved combination lock, a laundry bag. It's literally everything you'll need in a suitcase and more. Start your 100-day trial and shop the entire Away lineup of travel essentials, including their best-selling suitcases, at awaytravel.com slash KFGD. That's awaytravel.com slash KFGD. D. Next up, shout out to Amazon Music. Amazon Music has more than 10 million free podcast episodes to listen to, including this show and all of the kind of funny shows. Go check them out. Uh, but it's not just for listening to podcasts. Amazon Music has thousands of music stations and top playlists to stream for free. No matter what you're listening to, you can go hands-free with Alexa. You can get the app and enjoy free listening anywhere on any device. There's no credit card or subscription required. Um, Amazon Music's great. I've been I've been using it for a while. Love listening to, the, to podcasts. If you've never tried Amazon, music what are you waiting for you're gonna love it as much as we do start listening for free today head over to amazon.com slash kfgd that's amazon.com slash kfgd to stream thousands of music stations and over 10 million podcast episodes for free amazon.com slash G D. And finally, shout out to DoorDash. Did you forget that one thing at the store? Now you can get snacks, drinks, household essentials in 30 minutes with DoorDash. Dinner? Check. Do you order it? Check. Morning pick me up from Dunkin? Check. Get everything you need, whenever you need it, with DoorDash. DoorDash connects you with the restaurants you love right now and right to your door. I love DoorDash. I've been using it forever, especially uh, during this whole situation we're in, and it's been fantastic. Not needing to worry, not needing to go out places, just boom restaurant food Brian brought right to me me and Gia having a great time eating it for a limited time you guys can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on the first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code GAMES2021 Uh, for Canadian listeners use code GAMESCA that's 25% off up to $10 value and zero delivery fees in your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the app store and enter code GAMES2021 in the US and GAMESCA in Canada don't forget that's code GAMES2021 2021 or games ca for 25 off your first order with doordash subject to change terms apply Two.
2: number two on the roper report ladies and gentlemen no more heroes three reviews are in we have the official roundup but we also have an expert in these matters his name is blessing hey, at a what's up blessing you're a big no more heroes fan you I got am. this code you've played it for review tell me how amazing it is
1: Oh, Greg, it's so amazing. I actually, so I, I, I love No More Heroes one and two. Like I'm a big No More Heroes fan. I uh, pl- played and beat No More Heroes three for review, and I am sadly fairly disappointed with it. Not, it's it, it, I'm I'm split between two places, right? I, as a No More Heroes fan. I enjoy a lot of aspects about this game in terms of story, style, character. A lot, of, a lot of what people love about No More Heroes is in this game. Because for people who don't know, No More Heroes, the setup for the games is basically that you play as Travis Touchdown, who is an assassin, right, like a really dope assassin who has this lightsaber sword. Uh, and he is working his way up through the ranks of assassins. So usually he's starting at, number, I guess, number 11, and then he's taking out the top 10 assassins strategically to get to number one. Uh, and so it's kind of a boss rush game. You're fighting minions, doing you're doing a bunch of shit. Uh, again, very stylish, like it has a cel-shaded style to it. It's developed by Grasshopper in Suda51. And so like, if you played any of their games, all of their games have sort of a similar, similar kind of style to it. If you've seen something like Lollipop Chainsaw or, or, or uh, Let It Die, right? Like they all have like this, this specific kind of attitude and vibe to them that I really vibe with. And No More Heroes 3 does have that. I think for me, the place that gets into where I get disappointed with it is the fact that it feels like playing a normal Heroes 1.5 instead of playing Normal Heroes 3. And the way that coming into this game after playing No More Heroes 2, there are things in terms of mechanics that feel like a step down. There are certain things that feel like they're missing, like they're uh, things like. In no More Heroes 2, they cut out a lot of the filler that was there in Number no Heroes 1. Cuz in Number no Heroes 1 between the boss fights, you would have this open world section where you'd go through, you'd uh, drive around this map and you'd go perform jobs where you're you're mowing grass, you're picking fruit out of out of trees, you're doing all this random shit to then like gain currency the and old
2: then fruit picking minigame. I know fruit well. picking mini games.
1: Yeah. You're doing all that in order to raise money so you can then enter into the next boss fight challenge like that is sort of the 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 deal, the deal that you're going with here uh they took that out in normal heroes 2 or at least replaced it in, with a with more so 8-bit mini games that i thought were way better than the actual open world stuff that they had normal heroes one because in normal heroes one i would say the open world wasn't great the driving was bad the if the open world was empty uh except for what like, a great game i can see why to. this
2: launched an entire series of games <laughs>
1: but the the actual meat of the gameplay itself in the in the actual like setting and story and stuff was so fantastic and so different and so unique that for me for me playing through it i was like okay i don't give a fuck about about the filler because the actual game itself is so fucking good and so fucking stylish no More heroes 2 i'll say shave that stuff down but then added in um uh more for mechanics and more for what made the stylish aspects of no More heroes stylish and cool and really doubled down on that in a way that I really, I really dug and I really liked. Uh, and also, I should shout out that uh, that No More Heroes One and Two Wii games. And so, like, it was No More the Heroes One and, and Two. The bar was low. The bar was low. <laughs> not, not even the bar was low. It was, it was the fact that what made those games special as well, were how they took advantage of being Wii games. And so, like, it was they were one of the few games actually that I think really used the Wii Wii mote to uh, its best extent, where you had to shake are, that thing. You had to shake that. Thing you had hard. to shake that thing, right? Like.
2: I mean, yeah, there it is. There yeah, it is. Remember, I remember this being a big deal.
1: Exactly, it was a huge deal, right? You have your Lycera sword, and it would run out of energy, and so you'd have to like shake it in order to charge it up. And the shaking I'm motion. Edgy. the shaking. This isn't is, your you dad,
2: your grandma's Wii game.
1: Exactly. No, exactly. That's that's right. And so you would do that. You would have they the hack and slash bits, like, all your all your final slashes on the enemies would bring up a, a fun Quick Time thing of slash your remote this way, and you would do that too, and it always felt super cool to me. Uh, no more heroes three, for me. Right, like it retains some of the stuff that made the Wii versions of those games cool, but not in a way that feels like they translate to Switch as well. Because it keeps the same thing, right? It keeps the fact that you have to slash a certain way, but most likely you're playing this on a pro controller or handheld. And so you're doing that with the right analog stick. And that doesn't feel as cool as doing That's it cool. with yeah, motion sure. on the, on the Wiimote. And for me, like there are even points where I was like, you know what, I'm going to play this on my TV and actually play with the joy cons. Cause you, you can use the motion control with the joy cons that does work. But also like, w- why, <laughs> why would I do that? Right? Like, you feel it, cool. You, like, I, I think they should have definitely re like reconfigured what normal heroes looks like for the switch. But, like, that is one of my that, – that that's not even a big critique I have with the game. That's one of my smaller critiques. My biggest criti- critique is that they added in – they added back in all the filler that was in No More Heroes 1 and somehow made it worse, where <laughs> I swear to God you need even more currency now to get into the next boss fight uh, to level up your rank as uh, as the assassins, right? You have that you the they have these designated matches now to where you're just doing random fights uh uh like you're going through the open the open world area to enter into to random battles in order to raise money in order to qualify for the next fight as well and that stuff i'll say is a drag it feels like filler the the jobs they added back in are just as bad as the jobs in no more heroes one the driving is somehow just as bad as the driving in no more heroes one a game that came out in like 2008 for the nintendo wii uh even graphically, like it, the game doesn't look that great on Switch. Like it, it, I I I thought I was crazy while I was playing this game, but I stopped and I was like, I'm gonna boot up No More Heroes 2 to see how this game looks. And I swear to God, No More Heroes 2 might look slightly better than No More Heroes 3. Like the amount the the amount of regression in this game compared to where we were at with No More Heroes 2 upset me. But it's that thing where I still beat the game. Like as a No More Heroes fan, there's still enough there in terms of. The wackiness and the goofiness in the style, in the stylishness, that I had to see it through, and I didn't totally hate it. Like there, are some, there are some really redeeming uh, qualities to it. It is still a Super Fifty One game. There are still cool cutscenes in there. There are still cool moments in there. There are still fun characters in there. Like the 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 game starts off so strong with some of his bits where the uh, the reveal trailer for no more heroes 3 has a whole cutscene where it's this dude damon he meets this uh, tiny little alien named foo foo it's like this fun et <laughs> kind of cutscene. scene foo goes away foo comes back years later as a killer and a conqueror and he's like i'm here to conquer this planet and damon's like oh shit right like everybody's like oh shit and and foo just straight up decimates uh starts decimating people and that was all in that first reveal trailer that's all in the game and. All that stuff I'll still say works so well and is super cool, but it is just uh, it's included in there with all this stuff that really brings the game down in terms of the ways in which they didn't make this game feel like a step up from No More Heroes Two. It sure. feels like a step down in gameplay and budget and all this stuff. Like I, after the first two to three hours when the game opens up, it opens up and I for, it for real feels like they just ran out of budget and they're like, hey, this is what this is now. Like even though the, the normal heroes one and two you would have the lead up into the boss fights where when you finally pay for your fight you would then have to kind of go through their their lair and fight through their minions and then finally get to the boss fight and do the boss fight and so the to the boss fight itself they eliminated that uh lead up section to where now like after you do all of the open world filler stuff you're then straight into the boss fight and the boss fights are even easier than they were in one and two and so i'm doing a boss fight in five minutes and then it's back to like 30 minutes stuff of filler. If you don't like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And to me, that all that stuff was just a bummer.
2: So it's go for it you said you didn't feel you had to boot up no more heroes 2 to see if you were crazy yeah when you woke up today and you went "Eh, and you looked at the metacritic of a 76 at 7 30 a.m and had a 76 on Metacritic, did you feel crazy i i i was shocked honestly when i saw the metacritic and but
1: it also comforted 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 me in a way where i was like maybe there's there's something here for no more heroes fans because i gotta assume that all the people reviewing this game have to be no more heroes fans because why why would you review number no heroes 3 if you weren't and so like for people who are fans of the game i would say for sure check it out there is something for you here but on the flip side right there's there are a lot of good reviews there are also a lot of bad reviews Gamespot gave it a four and oh, yeah, like, I'm gonna, I, I got the whole yeah. re,
2: the usual review breakdown for you or whatever so let's go yeah. through three of the highlights go or whatever easy allies gave it a nine point oh a nine Ben Moore wrote more than anything such a strong and clear vision is what makes no more heroes 3 work as well as it does it's beyond clear that Suda cares about this series from the bottom of his heart and that love is what makes this game special no more heroes 3 is not just a good Suda 51 game it's one of the best games of the year
1: no it's not <laughs> it's not like
2: keep going keep going the worst part about this is i have no skin in the game right like i never (laughs) i've played i played no more heroes maybe for two seconds at a preview whatever. i don't you know whatever i don't know anything about this it's not my thing i hope it's good for everybody but i had been hoping it was bad because you have it in the fantasy league from game cast and so in the run-up to this like the day before reviews you're like oh by the way man i'm gonna take it on the chin for no more heroes and i was like Yes. Yeah, I thought y'all.
1: I was like, "Craig, this is gonna a, decimate my fantasy draft. It's back. gonna be so bad on Metacritic." And, and then yeah.
2: I, I wake up and I go, "Where? I'm like, God damn it! How can blessing keep winning? Not only that, <laughs> it's a 76 on Metacritic. Remember, open, or the uh, GameCast uh, League doesn't use it. That use Open Critic. On Open Critic, it is a 79 right now. Oh yeah. Like, Fuck! I can't catch a break! Uh, That was Ben Moore. Nintendo Life gave it an 8.0. Stuart Gibbs said, No More Heroes 3 has the faults of both its mainline predecessors. It's a little more tedious than No More Heroes 2, and a little less meaningful than No More Heroes. It makes up for this, however, by being another inarguably impressive balls-to-the-wall carnage fest, a blood-splattered love letter to excess, and a Suda51 fan's wet dream splashed across the Switch. Uh, The story it tells is cool. The game it plays is cool. Neither of these crucial aspects Specs reached the heights of the series uh, Nintendo Wii Origins, but nobody who truly gets no more heroes could reasonably disappo- be disappointed in this third incarnation. <laughs> they're, they're, they're taking shots at you now, Blessing. They're like, you're not a true fucking fan if you don't like this. What bizarro world am I in? Keep the going. The joke's beginning to wear thin, but it's all the telling. And Did I a different...
1: Can... Co- Did they give me the wrong
2: code? <laughs> I'm so confused. 51 <laughs> can still spin a very fine yarn, but more in line with you GameSpot gave it a 4.0. Uh, Richard Wakeling writes, if you had a mandate for all if you had a mandate for all the things uh, a No More Heroes game shouldn't be boring would be near the top of the list. But this sequel frequently is just that. No More Heroes 3 lacks the irreverent charm and personality of its predecessors. Combat picks up the slack, but there's a degree of vivid style to be found there. But I'm sorry. Let me try this again. Combat picks up the slack and there's a degree of vivid style to be found there, but the game falters in so many other areas after an 11 year wait, maybe no more heroes. Three was always destined to fall short of our expectations, but to end without so much of a touch, so much as a touchdown is a mighty disappointment. That seems like more in line with what you're saying.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And on granted, like if I had to put a number on it, I'd maybe give it higher than a four. Like I'd probably be in more in the five or six out of 10 range, Yeah. but it, I, I understand people being on both sides of it, uh, to, to, in in the sense that, like, again, it depends on where you're coming into this game for. I did really like the gameplay of No More Heroes one and two. I think those games play really well. Going back to them for the remasters, I was getting hints of even like, oh man, these boss fights are giving me what I love from even uh, Bloodborne boss fights. You know, I love uh trying to figure out what the strategy is here. I love the bosses have different having different personalities and all that stuff like that. Those games have such good uh characters in terms of how memorable they are and, I, and they use that well throughout no more heroes and so like if you're going into the game for that and for the style and all that stuff i can understand how you come out of it being like this is all i wanted out of a Suda 51 game because those two 51 elements are there as a video game that's where i struggle like i would i would recommend no more heroes 3 to no more heroes fans i wouldn't recommend it to just anybody if yeah. if you're if you're coming to me and you're like I want to play a No More Heroes game which one should I play I'll say play one and two and then play three do not start with three because I think so you definitely want to go
2: as far as say it's one of the best games of the no. year no I sure. absolutely
1: not <laughs> absolutely not no I, I mean I love shout out to Ben Moore I love Ben Moore oh no Movie this allies. is yeah no 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 this this is me, me like are all a opinions have fun
2: yeah you know, yeah go for it but. yeah
1: but I was not expecting this to be like another 12 minutes where people are like masterpiece and the other people are like it's terrible. <laughs> Yeah.
2: Uh-huh. That blows my mind. 2021, you are never getting away from it, right? Uh, let's go to number three on the Roper Report, and we're going to pick up some speed here, but I'll read number three in full. Uh, Brendan Sinclair over at Games Industry Biz reports on Overwatch changing the character, uh, a character's <laughs> name. Overwatch will be renaming one of its heroes after its namesake was dismissed from the company earlier this month. The Overwatch development team today released a statement saying the gunslinger uh, character McCree will soon receive a new name, with the studio refraining from naming characters after Blizzard employees in the future. A good move. Quote, we built the Overwatch universe around the idea that inclusive inclusivity, equi- I mean, I'm inclusivity, equity, and hope are the building blocks of a better future, the team said. They are central to our game and to the Overwatch team. As we continue to discuss how we best live up to our values and to demonstrate our commitment to creating a game world that reflects them, we believe it's necessary to change the name of the hero currently known as McCree to something that better represents what Overwatch stands for, end quote. Blizzard lead level designer Jesse McCree uh, was among a number of employees dismissed from the company earlier this month. While no reason was given for those dismissals, they came just weeks after the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing filed suit against the company, alleging violations of civil rights and equal pay laws, calling the company, quote, a breeding ground for harassment and discrimination against women, end quote. The new name for the character has not yet been revealed, but a planned story arc featuring him has been delayed until the change has been made. In place of the planned new story content, Blizzard will release a new map uh, for Overwatch next month. Quote, work on these updates is underway and they are just a part of our ongoing commitment to honest reflection and making whatever changes are necessary to build a future worth fighting for, the team said. Quote, we know that actions speak louder than words and we hope to show you our commitment to making Overwatch a better experience in-game and continue to make our team the best it can be end quote
1: I, I had to explain why i did like a little giggle there because like chat caught me off guard because somebody was like oh they're going to change it to mccosby <laughs> and i was like oh shit.
2: that's it's terrible, tweet, all terrible. The horrible stuff. if you yeah. haven't been keeping up on this which i'm sure you have because you watch kind of funny games daily just horrendous stuff coming out of there and so on the other side of that the report the lawsuit all the other horrible shit that's happening right you get over here and you're like okay like this is you know again there's good people who work at blizzard right it's not like everybody there is a horrible horrible human being and you know these are the moves you can make to erase the problematic people from uh, your game's lineage but then also of course try to work for being something better which of course yeah. is neat.
1: I'm I'm glad that they're doing this. Like I I love Overwatch, and you know, knowing the the lineage of that name and knowing everything that's been going down, uh, or at least all the things that've been coming out of Blizzard over the last month, that was a difficult difficult thing to reckon with, right? The fact that this guy's Dave McCree and is named after this guy who sure. who is legitimately in that core group of people that are being problematic over there, and so like them changing the name, I think is a very good thing. It also. I, I, I wonder when Overwatch 2 even comes out at this point because right. then changing the name means that they're going to uh, that's going to fall back to the voice actors who are going to have to redo a bunch of lines. Like I'm sure Mac- the, not only McCree's voice actor or I guess formerly known as McCree's voice actor, but all the different characters, oh, that all the interactions played, with him, right? That you all the interactions. In yeah. Yeah, 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 there's going to be a lot of work to have to redo all that stuff. And they're probably going to have to do that stuff for Overwatch 1 as well, especially because those games are going to uh, be crossplay with each other. And so that it's going to be a long process toward overwatch two at this point i imagine and yeah like again i mean i don't know what what there is left to say about this whole thing because we've talked about it for weeks and weeks now um but yeah this whole situation sucks but I, i think this is a good step but of course way larger steps need to be taken right outside of changing, changing a character's name in a game, right? It's like company gotta- culture
2: thing that we talked about, right. And it is mm-hmm. a, obviously about, you know, uh, them listening to it. And it's from the top down. There's a whole bunch of stuff that's way bigger than this, but again, this is part of it. And then being able to make these moves and change and, you know, um, answer their community. Who's been outraged by this. You know I mean? Again, you, it, we've talked about it obviously many a time on this show, but what, blizzard is what overwatch is what these fandoms are and to find out that you know the game you love has a bunch of problems behind it a toxic workplace you know the people who made your game uh, worked under really shitty people and shitty conditions and had to go through really really fucking shitty things to make something you love that's tough to reconcile and so it does take time and it is a bunch of small moves and it is about uh making sure you know once you've addressed these problems you're uplifting the good in your company and not celebrating the bad So again, uh, small move, but that's what this is going to be. This isn't going to be one broad stroke that fixes everything. It's going to be little things. So more power to them. I'm glad they did it. Uh, we are running late, so I want to tell you number four was going to be why there's why was there no Halo campaign at Gamescom? If you're interested, Joseph Statton, the head of creative over at uh, 343 for Halo Infinite, put up a blog post uh, as part of the big development update stuff over there, talking about it. And the, the the gist of it is, of course, everything's great. He can't wait to show it to you. Is just the choice they made, right? That they, they had to go through and they had to do this, and this is why he did it. So, again, nothing there, but I like this one here at the end, right? He was talking about he's going for a 100% run on it, right? That's how far along it is. I hope all of you take comfort in the fact that, honestly, I can't wait to get home, fire up the build, and hit continue on the campaign. No matter how many times I play, Halo Infinite remains fundamentally super fun to play, and we're very eager to share all the fun with you through captured gameplay, trailers, and other content once we get this plane safely on the ground. But for now, it's focus time in the cockpit as we stick the landing. Please keep those seatbelts fastened, and thank you for your patience and support. throughout this thing, he was talking in a very uh, piloty way. <laughs> That's why it's all what, why is he so pilot at the end? He's going somewhere, right? He's talking about the fact that they are on lock, you know what I mean? If you'll forgive the bit of the aviation geekery, the entirety of the team is essentially in a sterile cockpit, which is to say we're at a critical phase in the flight that ha- is Halo Infinite, so it's extremely important to avoid distractions and stay focused on mission-critical tasks only. For campaign, that means putting maximum effort into ensuring a wide-open, adventure-filled experience you'll all get to play on December 8th is as great as it possibly can be. And gameplay demos and trailers not only take a huge amount of effort to do well, but also take cycles away from bugs and other shutdown tasks. So basically, they are locked in on finishing this Halo Infinite campaign for you guys. So that's why they didn't do it. And then a final one blessing that is j- not just for you, it's for a lot of people. But yesterday, Nickelodeon All Star Brawl did confirm that Cat Dog and April O'Neill are being added to the roster. A big week for April O'Neill. TMNT. Oh, yeah. Shredder's Revenge, she's in that. She's in Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl. Uh, me as a cat dog fan, very excited cat dog's here. That's, yeah. I'm gonna be I mean, a, that's I'm right. a cat dog I love
1: I love cat dogs so much. And so I'm I'm so happy they got they got cat dog in this thing. And I love that they're doing smash style reveals. Like they don't have the big uh, cinematics that Smash has, but the fact that uh it was a couple of days ago where they were they did put out a trailer that was like at gamescom at this date we're revealing two new characters and the way that the way that they're going about it i think is really smart and really fun um and so yeah i'm all about it shout out cat dog can't wait i can't, can't wait to play as
2: that character cat i, I, I want
1: to see more cat dog gameplay because i want to know like i mean i, I just want to know how that controls right I mean, it seems like CatDog, it'd be an awkward character again?
2: i mean where's cat dog the new show you know i mean that's a good point cat dog is a show that i would love to see get rebooted if you're not familiar, imagine Portillo the wiener dog, but at the other end, where his ass should be, it's a cat. And that's Cat Dog. Mm, horrifying content, folks. Horrifying, yes, yes. It, you know, it was very much Human Centipedes prequel, but, like, it's still cool. You know what I mean? Cat Dog. The cat one dog. in the world, little cat. Dog what a jam uh blessing i can't wait to see who gets revealed for nickelodeon all-stars brawl which of course is coming to pc uh, playstation xbox and nintendo switch in 2021 but 2021 is still so far away if i wanted something more immediate say what came to the mom and grab today where'd i go you go to the official list of upcoming software across
1: each and every platform as listed by the Cod funny games daily show host each and every weekday
2: in the chat king rambler says portillo mixed with thomas how'd that go kev Pertillo and thomas fused together cat dog yeah i mean that'd be something huh out today inked a tale of true love on ps4 xbox one and switch uh baldo the guardian owls on ps4 xbox one switch and pc tormented souls ps5 xbox series x spc uh space station sprint xbox one and pc no more heroes 3 switch one-eyed lee and the dinner party switch hammer 2 reloaded switch uh Orbybot, switch uh Parquet pc seed of the dead sweet home on pc uh super animal royale 1.0 is out now on literally every gosh darn platform you could possibly get it and portillo is a playable character in there there is a kind of funny shirts in there too go get it it's a free to play game you can get in and all the content i just talked about is free too it's just a kind of funny best friend michael silverwood who's come to the kind of funny No, he used to come to up at noon all the time uh he ended up working on this game and put a whole bunch of stuff in there years ago when it was early access congratulations big week for uh,
1: dogs in video games
2: yeah, you know, Portillo's in another we, uh, doc, uh, Portillo's in another game this year. Like, Portillo's in more games than any of us, and that's weird. That's uh, start, <laughs> starting today uh, to August 29th, PlayStation 5 and PlayStation 4 owners can participate in the Call of Duty Vanguard Alpha as a limited showcase of the game's full multiplayer component. The Alpha features a brand new mode to Call of Duty known as Champion Hill and gives a preview of what is to come for the game's multiplayer review on September 7th, as well as the beta following that announcement event. Uh, mad streets launches on xbox consoles today as well
1: and then new also dates- for, out,
2: for out today uh there's a new song uh with kendrick lamar and baby
1: keem called family ties that's out today and so go check that out if you're a big kendrick lamar fan
2: okay also churches has a new album out. i listen to it today i loved it it's great oh. you know a lot of good also, stuff jane happening. smith
1: has a new album a lot of good music out today
2: halsey i saw somebody tweeted at me that she's got a new album out too so that's mm-hmm. happening a lot of stuff happening out there in the music. Uh, new dates for you. Uh, Good Night is launching on Steam September 3rd. And then Space Lines from the Far Out comes to Xbox Series X S, Xbox One, Windows PC, and via Steam and Apple Game Store on November 4th, 2021. Blessing. We ask right. people watching live on twitch.tv slash Games to go to kind of com slash you're wrong and tell us what we screw up as we screwed up so we can set the record straight for everybody watching later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames roosterteeth.com and listening on podcast services around the globe uh nanobiologist has one for me he says greg you said why is there no halo Four campaign i think you meant infinite i sure did when we were talking about infinite and i apologize for that ladies and gentlemen but other than that a pretty a pretty clean record to close out the week blessing adioye jr now ladies and gentlemen i will remind you it's the weekend. The show isn't over here. You can, of course, go catch the post show we'll do. Patreon.com slash kind of funny games. You can stick here on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games and watch some of that snowbike mic stream and action. Kev, what do you got plan after this? Oh, man, we're doing a little bit of that nasty Metal Gear Solid 2. Yum, yum, yum. Metal Gear. Uh, Metal Gear Solid 2 will continue over there. Remember, they're playing through all the Metal Gears. They're having a great time. If you miss any of that, you, of course, can go to YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Plays, our third YouTube channel. Nowhere near the 300,000 subscribers that Kind of Funny has. So maybe all those people should go over there and subscribe there, too. But I'm only asking for Kind of Funny right now. It's Friday, which means, of course, no uh, kind of funny games daily, Saturday or Sunday, which means next week you'll get a brand new cast of characters hosting. And guess what? I'm off for a baby moon all week. I'll still be doing some in-review stuff, but other than that, I'm not showing up at all, which means this is how the hosts look. Monday, Blessing and Tim. Tuesday, Tamor Hussein and Gary Witta. Wednesday, Blessing and Andy. Thursday, Janet, Garcia, and Tim. Friday, Blessing and Tim. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the show. I already did all the, the pimping and the promotion of the other stuff. So you know what you gotta do. Patreon.com slash kind of funny games, twitch.tv slash kinda funny games, youtube.com slash kind of funny games. Somewhere out there there's kind of funny content you haven't watched, and it's probably called party mode, and that's why we canceled it. So you should go check that out. Blessing the fall, show.
1: Yeah.
2: And the blessing show, sure. Oh, you got a new blessing show next week, don't you, bless?
1: Uh, is next? Yes, next week's the first Thursday of the month. So yeah, we do have a new blessing show next yes, week. Yes, we do. So for that <laughs> oh, Ooh, so
2: do you want to? Te- you want to tease people? Tell them what it is. Will or will you want to let? It, you want to let it cook? What do you want to do?
1: Oh, let's let it cook. Uh, what do you think? No,
2: what do you think, Roger? Uh,
1: it's gonna be a big show. It is gonna be a big
2: show. Uh, oh. The big show is gonna be on the he's gonna be on it. Hey, 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 <laughs> big show's there to talk about destiny. It's just like yeah. okay. <laughs> What's up, dude? I know you love destiny. Ladies and gentlemen, we got a post show to do on patreon.com/slash kind of funny games. But until next time, it's been our pleasure to serve you.